All right, so I'm super excited because we're going to start a brand new series. But before we do that, uh, something that I, I say around here a lot is uh, I really do believe, like really, really honestly believe that the day of like superstar preachers, and I'm not mad at any superstar preacher. I don't, I don't hate any of them. Actually, I listen to most of them because I think they're fantastic. Um, but super, I think that's going to start to come to an end. And I think what you're going to start seeing is bodies and movements of people that really push things forward so that that way when a pastor leaves a church, the whole church doesn't fall apart. Um, and it's happened time and time again in these big movements. And I think one of the ways to put our money where our mouth is in places like that is to give other, opportun other opportunities to people besides yourself. I think people are so afraid to let someone else step up on a stage and let someone else talk. Uh, so for this entire series, give it a... Give it a go now. For this entire series, which we're going to pop that up really quick, uh, we're going to talk on being a supernatural. So for the next nine weeks, we have a message on supernatural. I'm going to give a shout out to Amelia. So uh, this is uh, Amelia made this. Anyone else? Nope. Just Amelia killing the game, making us look pretty all the time. Just fantastic. Um, she's like, oh, I just threw it together really quick. Sorry, I've been so busy and sent me this. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm so excited for the day where she's like, yeah, I worked on this for a month. And then it's going to be like just the most game-changing thing we've all ever seen in our lives. Um, but for, for, basically, this message is going to be nine weeks uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. So just one at a time going through that. And what I really want to do for those nine weeks is at the very beginning before I preach, I want to give other op opportunities to people to preach a message on the same topic. So today we're going to talk about love. And so Isaac Woodford has got a message prepared for you guys to drop seven minutes. Give a round of applause to the handsome, the magnanimous. I don't know what that means. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I got seven minutes uh, real quick. Uh, just thank you, Pastor Wes. It is a terrifying honor. Give me one. Put that dongle on the phone there. Um, so I went really, 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 really basic with this because, real quick, uh, as, as a lot of you guys know, I'm going to be getting married soon, and that's like really starting, well, thank you, that's like really starting to hit me, and then the idea of me being a father in the near future, well, like nearish, like in a couple years, like really hit me one day, and I was like, oh, crap, I, I don't know what to do, like, I'm not going to be a good dad, like, I, like, look at my dad, I'm going to get to that actually in a second, thank you, though, um, and so my dad's insane. He's like this tall, like, and you guys are going to meet him in a couple weeks, and you're going to be like, what happened? Like, Ugh. so that's my dad. And I, but he'd been on my heart a lot, and we didn't have the best relationship growing up. And, uh, like, it was bad to the point where, like, I actually would, didn't talk to him for almost a few years. And uh, our relationship is really, 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 really good now, like, beyond good. And I, I don't know what happened, but um, I, I thought about him a lot. And I, I thought of two moments in my life in particular um, so I, I, I got stitches when I was in middle school um, because I got whacked in the face with a stick. Not even kidding you. That's what happened. And, uh, you know, my grandma took me to the emergency room, called my dad. My dad left work and rushed over and didn't even care and, like, took me home. And that night, I, due to the head trauma, apparently, and the bad reaction to the painkillers they gave me, I destroyed the bathroom, like, just everywhere. Like, Pastor West's story, that was me, only I wasn't a baby I was in the eighth grade, so I did the only thing that I could think to do in my delirious state. I went, hey, dad, you know, I was crying, and my dad comes in and goes, oh, crap, and, like, picks me up and cleans me off and then goes and cleans the bathroom, 
I, I talked about that, and I thought it was when I broke my arm, but apparently it was the stitches. And I said, why did you do that? You didn't complain or anything? And he was like, well, because you're my son. Like, what kind of dumb question is that? And the other story that came to mind is uh, my sister was away at college, and we had to keep her dog because she lived in dorms, obviously. And one night, the dog had to go out. So I, you know, being the kid, have to take him out. I don't have my glasses on. I have to take him out to the garage. It's pitch black. And the dog starts freaking out. I'm holding on to its leash, and I do what, you know, I'm 18 at this point, and I do what any rational 18-year-old who lived with their psychotic father would do, and I yelled at the top of my lungs, Dad. And about three seconds later, there's a giant crash, and you, all you hear is, as my dad comes running a corner, and he's screaming profanities about what he's going to do to the person that he thought was trying to harm me. A couple things about that story. He was holding a, uh, a sword over his head, a real sword, not a replica, um, and he was completely naked. So, and, and so he gets to me and he throws me out of the way and it's a raccoon. So my dad defended me from a killer raccoon. And I was thinking about that and, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's my dad. Please don't tell him I told that story. Um, so anyway, you know, thinking about those, two things came to mind. Um, I'd, I'd never thought about them before. I'd always thought about the bad stuff. And, uh, I realized for a long time in my life, I, I didn't really love my dad. Um, I mean, I said I did because I didn't want to sound like a sociopath, but I really didn't because I, I had so many ill feelings towards him. And it was when I realized, thinking about me being a father, I was like, I don't have good, a good example of what a father should be. I, no, I actually, I do. And, and now it's, it's really easy for me to think about like all the times he played catch with me and like the times I broke my arm and he literally carried me to the hospital. There's so many and it's actually hard to think about, um, you know, the bad stuff. So I tricked myself into thinking there was a verse that said love is forgiving. There's, there's actually not a verse that says that verbatim. But I do have uh, some verses that basically say that. Uh, just It's more wordy. So uh, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. I'm actually going to read through the ESV because uh, there's a word in there that I really, really like. Um, it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. That's the word I really like, resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. So resentful. I, I didn't realize that I had actually resented my father and that resentment was keeping me from loving him. Um, and so I looked up some, some antonyms, which means the opposite, learned a new thing yesterday, uh, for resentful, and it was caring, gentle, kind, and forgiving. And I realized that resentment had kind of clouded who my dad really was. Like, he wasn't a bad father. He was just flawed, but spoiler alert, so am I. You know, I'm not, I'm not the perfect son, you know. Uh, I'm not the perfect person. And, and spoiler alert, neither you guys. I'm going to wrap you guys in that with me. But that unforgiveness in my heart actually kept me from loving my father. And, and I was really thinking about, you know, when, when, we, get, when, we, get, um, when we accept Christ and we get saved, you know, it says that uh, God casts our sin as far as the east is to the west and remembers it no more. And when you're holding on to, to, to the, the hurtful things that people may have done to you, you're not actually loving them. And, and we're called to love people like that. So we can't judge people based on their mistakes. Oh, sweet. This is not, I thought I'd have less time than this. Um, we're not judging people based on their mistakes. We're, we actually, we, we forgive them. We forget them. We don't hold them to them. That's what it means to love someone. So if you're, if you're sitting in here today and you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I love Isaac, but, you know, he didn't button his shirt up. So, yeah. 
That's a bad example. I just wanted to talk about how I didn't button my shirt up because it looks like a cape. But that it shrunk. It shrunk because I didn't dry clean it. Um, but anyway, if, you're, if, you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards a person, you don't, you don't really love them. And that sucks to hear. But I had to hear that myself and from God because I wasn't really loving my father for years. And, and now I look back on it and I'm like, man, I can genuinely say with a, a honesty that I actually I love my dad. And, and that's an amazing thing to say because I never thought I'd be able to say that. And now I can stand up here in a room full of people that are looking at me funny because I just told a really lame joke saying, you know, I love my dad and I actually do forgive my dad. And that's what love is, is a forgiveness and a, 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 a not remembering what the wrong they did to you, but, but honestly, truly remembering all the, all the good things that a person does for you. And that's what God does for us, and that's what we need to do for people. So that's all I got. You guys want to do a countdown with me? No? Teacher said no. I'm sorry, guys. I can't. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. I got fast. One, yeah! <laughs> it's funny I actually said no to the countdown and then when teacher said no I started doing the countdown that's probably some kind of rebellious thing in my heart I gotta deal with but um, I think I love joking more than most people and that's, that's sad um, I never gotta deal with that but anyway, uh, I'm really excited. Isaac, you did so amazing. Where'd he go? Oh, he went to where he always goes. You killed it. That was phenomenal. Um, it's funny. I always forget that Isaac's funny because when I'm around him, he's not. And then like, and then like he pulls this stuff and I'm like, where'd it come from? It just came out of nowhere. He pulls it when he needs it and he puts it right back in his back pocket. Um, he's on Supernatural and spoiler alert, we're talking about love. I said that, spoiler alert, because Isaac, it's going to be in my head. I'll probably say it like 10 more times during the sermon. Um, and so really, uh, we have like a series verse, and uh, you get bonus points if you memorize it by the end of the series. Uh, yeah, so we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. We'll be reading this section of scripture every week for the next nine weeks. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Got something in my throat. What? Someone's going to be embarrassed. It's either me or Mark. Verses for the sermon, Galatians 5, 22 to 24, in quotes, series verse. Yeah, it's definitely there. <laughs> it's not me who's embarrassed for once because the last 10 times I forgot the verse. Here we go. And Amelia, look how good it still looks, Amelia. Killing it. You're, we're keeping you around. That's just final answer on that one. The whole clan, actually. We'll keep... All y'all. I can't say your last name. I've tried so many times. How do you say it? Shabonian? Keep all y'all. All right, so we got... <laughs> let's just read the verse. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We're going to say patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I wish... I'm actually just going to read the verse from my phone. Uh, and also, we're going to read it out of the ESV. So, Ephesians, Galatians, chapter 5, verses 
22 to 24. All righty then. If you're there, say there. Perfect. That was just a stall because I'm not there. Now I'm there. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, ESV for life, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. All right, so uh, I wrote like a little thesis thing. I didn't plan on reading it, but I already got it out, so I'll read it to you guys. Uh, The purpose of this series is to show that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are all things that are supernaturally grow on us as a byproduct of the Holy Spirit being alive in us. The traits are not traits that we work to have. Rather, they are supernaturally given to us by the nature of what is alive in us. Um, So... It's really interesting to think about it. If the Bible says that this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything to make the Holy Spirit worse or better, right? And so because we have a seed within us, which is the Holy Spirit, we will naturally grow a fruit, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, A few myths to knock out before we jump into love. Uh, One, it is not nine separate fruits. It is one fruit. And if you go into the Greek, it's actually a singular term. And so what it means is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is one fruit that we all have. And so I've been in the small groups, and I'm sure if you've been in church longer than like 10 minutes, well, except for today, of course, um, you've also been in the small group settings where they go like, oh, I'm really good at love, but I just don't have joy right now. And we, we, we cut apart the fruit of the Spirit and treat it as if, as if it's nine separate aspects that we walk in. And actually, it's not the truth. If you have love but not joy, your love is probably because you're naturally a loving person and you're naturally not a very joyful person. And so you have to deal with that within yourself. But really, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to bring it to you. And when he does, it manifests fully within us and within our lives. We can't treat the fruit of the Spirit as if they're works that we gain. We have to understand them as something given to us freely by our God. Amen. Um, the him who has completed a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. Amen. And so we're going to do some really crazy overviews. But like I said, that is the intensive purpose of calling this series Supernatural. I think when you call a series Supernatural, you get the concept of people walking in thinking, we're going to talk on miracles. We're going to talk on acts being done. We're going to talk on, on these crazy things that no one can do without God. And so we, we wouldn't think of the this fruit of the Spirit as supernatural, but it absolutely is. Just like when I lay hands on someone and pray for them, if a healing occurs, it wasn't because of me. It was because God worked through me. When I walk in joy, it's not because of me. It's because God worked in me. Amen. And so it is just as supernatural as the gifts Jesus walked in in his ministry. Amen. And Paul makes it very clear when he writes this section and he calls it the fruit of the spirit, right? Because he's going to plant something in you. It's a seed, which Jesus references in his parables. And what's going to grow out of that? If I plant an apple tree, the fruit that will produce is apples. And so when God plants his spirit within us, what's going to produce is his spirit. And he breaks down the aspects and character of his spirits into nine distinct things that all work in tandem and unified. How is that possible? Same way the Trinity is. All right. So we're going to jump into the main section we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be diving into the concept of love. Uh, Now, there is a thing when you're studying scripture. Anytime you read a list, it's called the law of firsts. And the law of lasts. So this week we're going to deal with the law of first. It's a theological concept that means if there's a list, the first thing named is typically the most important. 
And the last thing named is the second most important. And so when we see that God writes love first when describing himself and describing the fruit of his spirit, he's being intentional. And uh, people have described, if you picture a fruit, love as the skin that holds all of the fruit in. And I want to read you just a little cool quote I got from when I was actually reading my commentary in my Bible that I I just naturally read. And it says, uh, love appears first because it is the greatest quality in that it most clearly reflects the character of God. I want to read that again because I think that's vastly important. Love appears first because it is the greatest quality in that it most clearly reflects the character of God. Um, There is nowhere in the Bible where God says, I am peace. There is nowhere in the Bible where he says, I am self-control. There is nowhere in the Bible where he says, I am patience. He does say, I am patient, but I am not patience itself. But the Bible does say that God is love. It is the only quality in the entirety of the fruit of the Spirit that God says, I embody this. Now, don't mishear that. We don't worship love, right? Love is not the deity that we come before and worship, but God and his character fully encapsulate what love is. And so we hear people saying, like, love, love, love is the religion, love. And I see this. You see, like, Buddha and Muhammad and, like, Jesus and, like, all these people on a thing. And it's like they all preach the same message, and it was love. But they didn't preach love the same way. And when the Bible teaches that God is love, what that means is a really sneaky way of saying, so if you want to know what love is, you have to get to know God. Right? So the Bible is referencing Yahweh. And so if you want to know what love is, you have to know Yahweh. Which is important because then people can't pull the line of, well, as long as I'm loving, I'm in line with God. But if everyone's definition of love is ever-changing, then love truly isn't stable. But our God is a firm foundation. And so what is the definition of love? It's a question we're going to have to ask ourselves today so that we can make sure that when the Holy Spirit is moving through us and we love, how does the Bible and how does Jesus define love? Amen. And so I want to read you a section of scripture. Now, um, we're a little quiet today. I think it's because the lights are off. I'm going to leave them off. Uh, but give me like a woo or something. Just let me know that you're alive. And you're alive and well. I think Isaac did a really good job of stirring the pot around here. And we're going to keep it up. Again, shout out to Isaac. It was phenomenal. Um, and I think when you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to read the chapter. I'm going to read a section of scripture on love. What section of scripture are you going to? 1 Corinthians, shut your mouth, dude. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, that is the love chapter. If you go and you read any, it's like, oh, just find a verse on love. Love is patient. Love is kind, which I find it interesting that he lists the Holy Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit ending, right? And so we read this and we think, this is so awesome. And, and I want to do a little bit of brainwashing today. Is that a bad word? I think it's a scary word to say. I want to I maybe shift things up a little bit because I would argue that is the second most important section of Scripture on love. But I think 1 John chapter 4 is hands down the most important section of scripture on love in the entirety of the Bible. And so we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 to 21. I'm going to pray. I'll tell some kind of goofy story, and then we'll actually break the section of scripture apart. I actually might not do that. We'll see what happens. And uh, let's go. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Y'all, love isn't from in you. Amen? Until the Holy Spirit's in you, and the Holy Spirit's God, and now love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Y'all. That's like a fire section of scripture. 
Uh, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, fancy word for took our place, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. How crazy is that section of scripture? No one's seen God unless you walk in love and then they'll see God. It's a crazy section of scripture and we'll talk about it in a little bit. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. After all that talk about Jesus, all that talk about God being above us, it ends with, how do you know you have it? The Spirit. Because you'll manifest a, a fruit of some sort. I wish Paul wrote a verse about that. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So if God is love, and I'm walking in true love, then I'm walking in God. And if true love's coming from in me, then God is in me. And because I'm walking in the love of God, I'm full of the love of God. It's my guarantee. Do you doubt your salvation? Go love somebody. It'll be a guarantee to you. But again, we have to define love first, and we will. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence. See that? Now, if I'm loving people and God is in me, then love is perfected in us. So that we have confidence for the day of judgment. You ever, you ever had a moment where maybe you thought you were going to die or you thought about what it would be like to die and you were afraid to go before God? That's not love. Amen? That's what it's talking about. Love is perfecting it, so we have confidence at the day of judgment. I'm, because love is so alive in me, I'm confident that when I die and I go before God, I'm going to go straight into heaven with no issues, no problems, because love is in me, because the love of God is alive in me. And that love gives me a confidence that even on the day of judgment, when I'm before the great white throne with the gavel, that part of God we don't like to talk about, I'll still be unafraid because I know that righteous judge loves me. And has already said, I'm not guilty. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Y'all put that verse on your wall. This is, there is no fear in love. Put that verse on your wall. But perfect love casts out fear. Put that, okay. Uh, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Remember the verse before that it says the love of God is in you. It's been perfected in you. And now if we go back that verse to 18. But if you're fearing judgment before God, it's not perfected in you. And by the way, that's something only God can give you. There is a peace that comes from love. And there is this, you know, that's, that's two weeks from now. Um, but this love is the foundation for our security in God. I meet people who think that they can lose their salvation. And I think that's a distinct lack of understanding of the love of God. 
But that's a touchy subject, so I'll keep moving. We love because he first loved us. Him first, me second. Why am I capable of loving? Because God showed me what love looks like. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room right now, God. I pray for the short amount of time that we have together, Lord, that there would be an understanding of your love on a truer and deeper way. That, God, we'd stop striving to walk in love, but, God, we would rest in you who are our love and learn to love deeper in the byproduct of being loved. God, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray that we would understand you. I pray that whatever in this room we have in us that causes us to stop understanding your love for us. I pray you begin to cast that out, God, and we begin to trust the love you have for us. And that would be our source and what we depend on, God. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. Uh, I used to teach in kids' ministry. And uh, if you've ever taught in kids' ministry, uh, you know that in like a week or two, you're about to do a series on the fruit of the spirit. Like at any given time, no matter when you're in kids ministry, you're always like two weeks away from a fruit of the spirit message. It's just this great go-to thing. And I think sometimes there's a weird stigma in like big boy church where it's like fruit of the spirit, that's a kid's lesson. And we kind of want to shut off from that. But the problem is it is the foundation. And loving like a child is actually the definition that adults need to love in also. And so I think that it becomes more important to an older crowd because it's a big crazier of a topic because it's easy to tell a little kid love your hey love love the little kid over there who's done really nothing wrong but it's hard to tell an adult to love the people who have really tried to ruin their lives who've really tried to break them down they really tried to hurt them um but when we were teaching kids ministry we would do like a little song love joy peace and patience and like i still know the fruit of the spirit like when i'm listing them off which is why i won't be teaching on love long suffering i'll be teaching on patience because that's how the song says it and that's the only way i know it um like that's just that's just being a hundred percent real but in the song they have like this like breakdown and, and it starts going like love i put others first joy i believe god's promises a few of you are mouthing it because you were in my kids ministry back in the day um but but i think that is the purest and most beautiful definition of the word love i've ever heard in my life love i put others first one time in kids ministry and i was i was actually teaching on love um we did a game and uh we did this like we had them big on the speakers, right? And the kids would, we, I had the room cut in two, and we had all the kids on one side and all the kids on the other side, and, and we were teaching on love. Before that, I like to play a game, get the wiggles out, right? Which is weird because, like, when I'm in kids' ministry, I'm like, okay, I got to get the wiggles out of them. And then once I'm in adult ministry, I'm like, man, they need wiggles, you know, because you guys are, like, so dead right now, it, like, makes me sad. And so I just need, a, like, a little bit of wiggles for me. We're just, like, go borrow them from the kids. Don't make me start making the kids sit in service because they'll actually shout me down. And then we can, look, I, am a t- I preach better and quicker when I'm being shouted down. And that's a fact. But anyway, um, so these kids were playing our game, right? And, and the word was compass. We were playing hangman. The word was compass. Some of you who can spell go, I know exactly where this is going. Um, 
honestly has nothing to do with my message either. I just thought I'd talk about it. Um, so one kid guesses the word, oh, A, right? I'm going to go through all the vowels. So A pops up on the screen. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way they're going to say S. No way in heck. And the next kid raises his hand, and he goes, T. And I was like, see, no big problem. He goes, actually, wait, no, S. And I was like, are you kidding me? And the button clicked, and then right in kids' ministry, which is the A word, in front of all these children. And I'm like, what would you learn in church today? <laughs> Pastor Wes learned, taught me that, the, <laughs> you know? And, like, kids are laughing, and they're pointing, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. But I actually use that story now when I'm telling people, like, they're like, oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up while I'm preaching. And I'm like, trust me. I cussed out children. You're good. Just don't cuss out children. And you did better than me. And you can fail all you want. And I'm not going to hold you to any. I'm like, at least you didn't cuss at everyone. Um, and then I taught about love. And I taught about putting others first. And thank God all the kids forgave me. And no parent came and complained. I was like, oh my God. The love of God is alive in these children. They covered me. They put me first. They received the message. It was like 600 kids too. And not one of them came at me and was like, uh, I'm telling my dad. Which is weird because like the three we have tell on me for everything. Um, so I'm like, I don't know what happened. Um, but love, right? Love. I put others First, I think, I think understanding the fruit of the Spirit as a child to understand the fruit of the Spirit is so crucially pivotal, right? Why well, use two words that I didn't need to do that? But it's so crucial and it's so pivotal to our understanding of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I think, um, I'm like... I'm like a dreamer, right? So my head's like in the clouds. The beauty of things. I love the artistry of things. And so these kind of these little moments, I find them so beautiful. But the problem is, is when some people get older, we stop seeing beauty in little things. And we need to keep being wowed by bigger and better and more. Or we can't really experience God anymore. And, and you know, the greatest miracle on the earth is salvation. Uh, someone getting their arm healed is actually nothing compared to salvation itself. And so the problem is, if you're in this room and you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're actually walking in the greatest miracle that this world has ever seen, and we still sometimes lose sight of being wowed. And so we need someone to read a verse to us again and show me a new way. I've never seen this section of scripture before. And I've heard John 3, 16 a thousand times, but preach it in a way so I can understand it fresh. And we, we get so hard to some of the basic concepts of the Bible. And really, truthfully, the Bible, much more than it is this crazy to-do list of supernatural origin, it's really dumb practical. Pastor Wes, the Bible's dumb practical. Don't quote that. Um, I would really appreciate that um, because it's outside of them like what is this and Christina's already got her phone up uh, she's a problem child pray for her um, so and now she's going to be in the sermon what oh yeah quoted um, and but but it's dumb practical and so when the Bible says to love and when Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself and when Jesus says love your God there's no fancy way around that he just wants us to love And so if we go back to the section of scripture that we read earlier, because now I actually want to break it down and talk about it a little bit. Um, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 really quick. And what I think is really important, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and loves God. Let's keep it here. Uh, can we agree that love comes from God? 
So if it comes from God, does that mean, can we agree, philosophically speaking here, that it doesn't come from within us? I am capable of doing acts of love, but without God, I'm not truly capable of being totally loving. Right? And that's from a Christian perspective because it says that love is from God. And any aspect of love that I walk in is truly because I've seen it first. And if love is from God and I'm not walking as a very loving person, then maybe the truth is I'm not spending as much time with God as I thought I was. Um, when I was in middle school, um, I went to a, a school called Emmanuel. Um, it was actually like a Christian school. Um, and, and all the kids there were preps, just preppy. Like, And w- when my mom saw that, she bought me a bunch of clothing like that. And so I wore like Hollister t-shirts, um, American Eagle, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. And then, like, every outfit was either jeans and a Hollister t-shirt or, like, you know about those shorts that some of you might be wearing? I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, those shorts that are, like, plaid? That's all I had was, like, jeans and plaid shorts. Like, black and white plaid, like, white and blue plaid. Like, it was just, right? And so I was just this preppy kid walking around living my best life at the time. And, and, and then once I started going into high school, instead of continuing at that school, I asked if I could go to uh, a regular high school. And when I went to that regular high school and I walked in dressed like a preppy kid and I was about to get a wake-up call. Um, and so what I saw, there, was, there were gangs in the school because, I mean, it was a really small and really poor town. There were gangs and there were skaters. And that was like it. And they're like the sports team over there in the corner. And so I like looked and I was like, I'm too white for the gang. They're not going to accept me. I'm too small for football. I'm going to learn to skate real quick. Right, And as I started hanging out with the kids that skated, sure enough, my jeans got skinnier. (laughs) And my t-shirts, instead of saying Hollister, started saying, like, girl or enjoy. Girl's a brand, not like hitting it. Like, it's a skateboard brand. Uh, Element, right? Like, I just started wearing these skateboard brands. Thrasher, sure. Just anything that was a skateboard brand, I started wearing it. Got skateboards. Got started, instead of wearing, like, those really skinny vans, I started getting those really big skate shoes, you know? And, And... as I hung out, I didn't even realize it. It all happened really slowly. But as I was hanging out with these people, my style changed. I met Thomas in high school. And we were like little scene kids, skater kids. And, and we started going to a church. And all the church was dressed up like Travis Montoya, who's not here today. I wish he was here. I, I wrote this joke for him, and he's not here. Uh, but we're here now, and so we're going to keep rolling with it. Uh, so if you just, like, pull Travis Montoya and, like, Google him and just, like, look at his, like, we all dress like that. And then me and Thomas looked at each other, and we're like, I'm never going to dress like them. I had my long skater hair. I was like, I'm never going to dress like them. By the time we took pictures, which was, like, a weekend, I had a haircut. Uh, <laughs> And showing up, like, and then it's like, I'm never going to dress like that. And then we started dressing exactly like that. And, and I don't think it was like, oh, I want to fit in. I'm going to dress like this. Just as you're around people, it just happens. And I think that's really what's being taught in the fruit of the Spirit. It is if you're not walking in it, the problem isn't to try harder to walk in it. The problem is you need to hang out with the people walking in it. First, Jesus, and second, your community. And so if love comes from God, and I'm not being a very loving person, your problem isn't that you're not acting, right? Your problem is you're probably not praying or reading your Bible or spending time with God like we really should. 
Um, there is no way around it. I heard a sermon recently from someone that I really respect, and they, they talked about, like, I'm sick of people preaching and saying the answer is prayer. And I'm like, no, but, but if you go to the Bible, all of it is spend time with God. Like, literally, the Bible is God came down and filled us with his spirit because he wants to be with us. It's so relational, we can't avoid it. And if we're not being relational, you can't take step two, three, and four. Because step one is, are we spending time with God? And if, God is fr- if love is God and God is love and we want to walk in love, the answer is spend time with God. And so I have love, but I don't have peace or patience. Well, then go spend time with God and you'll have all of it, right? Um, and so uh, let's be sit the verse 8. Anyone, and we're going to go to verse 10, by the way. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Something really interesting to think about, right? God defines love. So let's ask the question that we should have probably started with. How does God define love? John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Love, I put others first. Love is sacrifice, and that's it. Love isn't a feeling, it's a verb. And so Jesus wanted us to love. And so he showed us the definition of love through his actions. In that what? He came down, took our place, and he died for us. And that is the definition of love. God is love because God is the chief sacrificer among us. Chiefly, it is God who sacrifices because no one's taken on the weight of sin except for God. Amen? And so we read this verse though, and I think that what I find so interesting is I hear this verse quoted a whole ton of a lot. And it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And so what are we thinking? This is Jesus telling us what he's about to do for us. Let's hit verse 11 really quick. First John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And the greatest section of scripture where God teaches us love better than any is, I would say, John 15, 13, is the definition of biblical love. So when the Bible says that God is love, it is saying that God put himself before us. That God literally embodied the fullness of love through the sacrifice of his son. Right? And so that verse that we read, John 15, 13, let's go to John 15, 12. And then we're going to read verse 13 and then read verse 14. We're going to get context on that verse, right? Um, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So that verse isn't Jesus explaining, hey, everyone, here's what I did for you. It's actually him saying, like I did for you, do for everyone else, specifically your brothers. And so a verse that makes people really uncomfortable, especially in modern times, is in the Bible, Paul writes, prefer the brethren. Jesus writes, die for yourself for your brothers. 
And, and so literally the Bible teaches us that first God loves us and then we love the church. Now loving people outside of the church actually comes next. But there is actually an order and a process and the first step is from God to me, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? So if we go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 16. I'm going to see our next steps because really 1 John chapter 4 from 7 to 21 is a step-by-step process in love and what it looks like. Um, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has seen God. But if he works in us, they see God. Right? Verse, uh, let's keep rolling. Uh, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So they know God because I sacrifice for them. And I can sacrifice for them because the Holy Spirit's in me. Here's the thing. People in this world who do not know Jesus, this is all they got in their mind. I got 80 years, then I'm in a hole. But us as Christians, I got 80 years and then eternity of joy. And so literally the reason why I can love people and sacrifice for people and put them first is because I know even if I died for it, I would be somewhere better for it. And so I don't have to wait and I don't have to worry about me. I don't have to, well, I got to take care of myself. I got to make sure I have a clothes. I got to make sure I have food because God won't provide that for me, even though I'm a Christian, right? I got to have these things. No, we sacrifice and we give and we put others first because that's love. And we can, we're all the only ones that can do it because we're the only ones with an assured promise built into us, knitted into us that says I'm going somewhere better, even if this doesn't work out for me. Literally, I haven't heard anyone put it better than Francis Chan. And he says that even if I somehow went hungry in America for giving food to the homeless so much that I gave so much away that I couldn't survive, no one took care of me and I died for it. What a way to go before God. Imagine that. I died because I gave too much away going before God and being like, I did what you said. (laughs) Here I am. What next? You know, like that's going to be actually a glorious day. It won't... In America, it's not going to happen to you. But the fact is that even the worst case scenario is the best case scenario of stepping into heaven. But this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. And he in God. And last verse for this part. Um, So we can come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Let's keep that up for a second. For we know, for we have come to know and to believe the love God has for us. How do we know and believe the love God has for us? Jesus put us first. He laid down his life and showed real love. And so now that I know that God is love because of that action, whoever abides in that, whoever sacrifices like Christ sacrificed, God will abide in him. Basically, love is being unselfish. Like, let's just, let's just put it where it's at. Selfish people aren't loving, and unselfish people are, by definition. Right? 
John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, where did it, where did it switch? Right? God loves me, so I love my brothers, so people who don't know Jesus see God. Suddenly, my love became evangelism. So by the nature of God's character, because God is God and God is love, he'll always sacrifice. Or he did, right? And especially if you consider God's eternal, literally the cross is eternal. Bible says that Jesus was crucified from the foundations of the earth. And he's going to be bearing the scars in his hands in the book of Revelation. So literally the concept of the cross is from Genesis to Revelation. Because it's eternal and God is always in that place. Because God is like that, a natural byproduct is he loves me. Because he naturally loves me, I naturally love the others he died for. And because we're loving each other genuinely, naturally people come in and want to be a part. So love isn't just from above. Love isn't just from within. And love just isn't from within a group. Eventually love takes a city. Eventually love takes a neighborhood. You ever been to a church? Hopefully this one. But don't get it out loud. Where you come in and you're like, there's so much love, this is home. Have you ever found your home church? And some of you are here, but I mean, none of us started here. This is a young church. We started elsewhere. And those churches you were at, what made you stay? There was something beautiful about it. Some kind of love. I mean, for some people, it's tradition. And unfortunately, I think that's why the statistics say that people born into it typically leave. And, and, but those who leave and then come back stay longer than those who came naturally, right? Because that means I made the decision for myself. And what, what brought me to God? Typically, it's love. I mean, Isaac's testimony is he got loved in. My testimony is I got loved in. I didn't want anything to do with God. And what was it? Tony Lopez, Jared Weeb, Stephen Cabrera, these people that really spent time with me, cried with me, held me while I was broken, they ensured by their actions that I was going to know Jesus. Because I saw him, not from a cloud parting and God coming down and saying, Wesley. Because I saw people care for me like I had never been cared for. And I gave my life to God as a byproduct. They could only care for me because they were cared for. And they were only cared for because the one who cared first taught those people to care for them. Love begets love begets love begets love. If the love is real. Last little section of scripture as I kind of close out. What, what, we're mad on time? Three minutes? That's perfect. Turn her off. I don't want the alarm to go off and distract me. Um, there is no fear in love. But perfect love. Ca- Aaron, you want to come make me sound more spiritual? I'd appreciate it. Uh, there is no fear in love. But perfect love Cast out fear. It's a joke. I don't think that really happens. Uh, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Let's go back to 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
man, how does that verse come alive in my life? Because I know Jesus, because I pray, but I still have doubts and I still have worries and I still have fears. Um, I, I want to say something really practical and it's not this Holy Spirit wow moment. And the problem with that is because it's not like this huge wow thing. Typically people won't walk in it. I have never been praying for someone on the street and been worried about whether I could pay my rent. Even if I worried that day. I have never been in the community really worshiping God really worshiping God not where like the music is going but I'm still building an altar to what I'm going through but like where I'm really focused on God and been and let the, the worries have come back they haven't and, and I know that this isn't like this fancy crazy thing but again we're going to talk for nine weeks on the fact that love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control do not come from any work of yourself they only come from the work of the cross and I am experiencing it always because God has always poured that on me. But some of us need to recognize, to open up a little bit. We've gotten so desensitized to love that now we don't feel loved any longer. But man, if any of you have given your life to Jesus, I mean, think back on that day where you just realized it. What happened? I fell to the floor and started crying. I didn't fall out in the spirit. I fell because I'd never felt so loved before. And then a few weeks or a few months went by and suddenly that wasn't enough anymore. This is why Jesus calls us to do it like a child. Because the thing about a child is even if they get desensitized to it, they still at least walk in it. Right? Hannah, well, their kid has never woken up wondering if she'll have a roof over her head even if she takes the roof for granted. There is a childlike understanding of things that even if I don't appreciate it, I still assume it. And that's how God has called us to be. We need to err on the side of God will take care of me. And so I'm going to give everything I have to others. Listen to me. You'll never read a Bible verse where it says, God bless them, and then they went out and blessed You won't. You'll read the verses that say they blessed, so God blessed them, so they blessed more. Here's why. Because the cross was him initiating the blessing. The next step is me walking in it to where he blesses that. So then I bless other people and he begins to bless that. And so I bless other people. And for some of us, we've gotten so, man, I'm not, I, I think there are people in this room who once had a passion, a deep passion for ministry, for preaching to others, for holding people as they cried, for prophesying over those who have broken, but have stopped believing it for themselves because we stopped looking at the true love of God. And we had to be the men or the woman who had to make things happen for ourselves. And so now I got to get my job. I got to stop focusing on God. I got to go handle this. And I can't pray as much anymore. Well, I got to get my rest because I have a big day ahead of me. Wake up an hour early. Spend time with God. Those of you who have walked out of ministry, walk back into it. And you'll find God's leaving it open for you. But love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's not, I want this, so God, tell me why I can have it. Read the Bible. Walk in it. <laughs> right? 
Um, maybe as Aaron starts to play, uh, I did say last week, and I want to start making it a habit, at least for a while. Um, I really liked us breaking into groups and, and talking on what we had heard, getting prayer, just kind of giving your input. Um, and, and so I'm going to say, let's break into small groups. No, nothing specific, not like, oh, go to your small group. Just break into groups, the people to your left and to your right, and, and talk about it and pray together. And if you're not comfortable and you don't want to do it, you, you don't have to. But I do want to encourage you that, especially on a topic on love, which love is literally just sacrificing for each other, you can't, you can't love people by walking away from them. Right? Man, I want to love more. What do I do? Okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray on it and God's going to tell me, no, jump into your small group. <laughs> and maybe pray for someone, even though you don't deserve it yet. Even though, well, I can't pray for them. My hands are broken. I can't pray for them. I'm going through too much right now. Pray for them. Your storm doesn't dictate your prayer life. And by the way, your storm doesn't dictate how effective you are. I'm going to tell an awkward story that I've told like 10 times. I'm going to tell it again just to remind people. There is a particular person in this room right now, so I won't call them out, who had a particular struggle of the sexual sort watching videos right and I wasn't a pastor yet I was a youth director and the night we started running service before I went to service I watched porn and I fell sexually and then I got up and preached a sermon to people it's bad don't do it but I did it and then someone came up to me and asked me I'm struggling with this can you pray for me and I looked at them, and everything in me says, you're not worthy, you can't do this. But the only other thing I'd be able to do is say no and hurt someone's feelings. And so I was like, I guess I'm doing this. And I prayed for them. And I double-checked with them today before the sermon, and they have confirmed that since that night, they still haven't done that. And since that night, let me tell you something else awkward. I have. It's been a while, but I have. It didn't change things. Where you're at now doesn't make you not effective. It doesn't mean God won't move through you. Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's in you, regardless of what you did this morning. Get into groups. Believe in each other. Believe the good out of each other. <laughs> Amen? And so I'm going to pray. And then Aaron's going to sing a song, and he doesn't get to be in a small group. Uh, dear Lord in heaven. I pray for Aaron that he wouldn't be offended by that. Uh, and then I pray for everyone else in this room, God. Uh, we love you. And God, I pray that you would teach us to love, not like we want to love, but like you love. I pray that we begin to redefine love by you, by your character, God, and not by our emotions or our feelings or our desires, but by you, God. I know that you are enough for every person in this room. And God, I pray that you would show us in the room that those who are in doubt, those who are, who are in lack, those who are in worry, God, that you would meet them with your love, God. And that, God, we'd be people, we'd be a group of people who would sacrifice for others, not because we have the means, but because we have you, God. And you're enough. I pray that things we once saw as a sacrifice, we'd see as an honor. And things we once saw as a waste of time, we see as a privilege, God. And in Jesus' name I say, amen.